0: Welcome to our podcast, Hey David, where Grandpa Rod talks about life and attitudes, hope, and success. Each week, he raises a new topic for David to consider. We hope it speaks to you too. We also hope you'll invite your friends to listen and that you'll share your comments with us. Here is Rod with today's topic. Hi, I'm Rod MacArthur, David's grandpa, and narrator of the Hey David podcast. Thanks for listening. I want David to have the best grandfatherly counsel I can give. It could be that you'll gain some light pointers, too. Welcome. Today, I'm going to talk with David about the dangers friends can introduce. Good ones inspire, but bad ones can lead you astray. Pick wisely and avoid dark places. Hey, David, it's Grandpa. In my last visit with you, I talked about my friend Steve. He was such a powerful influence in my life for good. He filled my heart with love as well as with a sense of belonging. I had someone in my life who accepted me and valued me and wanted to be involved with me. It was all good. Today, let's look at the dark side of so-called friendship. I said so-called because there is a tendency in young people that inclines them toward superficial relationships. The desire to be accepted or to belong can be a blinding thirst. And fun-loving activities can hide potential problems. Maybe we can avert the danger. Not everybody you meet will have the high moral values and ethics that you have. It's altogether possible that there is some engaging feature that attracts you to them, but doesn't expose to you the rest of the story. Shared values are important. But shared likes or shared intrigues, while they are enticing, can be subtly dangerous. What if there's a wolf hiding under a sheepskin? What if your would-be friends injects ideas and influences that run contrary to your values? In an earlier visit, I described how my cousin Rocky induced me to steal an apple. I could have walked by a thousand storefront displays of enticing apples or strawberries or whatever and never have thought of taking one for myself. But there was Rocky, and he said, let's take one. So I took one. Sometimes friends can adversely impact your decisions. Looking back, I can say without hesitation, nearly every bad decision I've made in my life can be traced back to two mistakes. Yeah, I made some bad decisions. You will too. Here are the mistakes that I can trace them back to. Number one, I let peer pressure override my no better and or number two, I didn't ask for a second opinion. We talked about seeking and listening to good advice in a previous podcast, So I'll just skip right to the essence of today's podcast and talk about the impact of friends chosen superficially, unwisely. Let's just call it adverse peer pressure. Here are some stories from my youth where friends influenced me to act in ways contrary to my values, actions I remember to this day with embarrassment and regret. Story number one, the only football I remember. The first one tells how I found and kept a lost football. My Cub Scout leader, when I was in grade school, owned a Filbert Orchard, lots of nuts. When her husband died, she could no longer care for the property, so she sold it to a developer who turned it into a subdivision. He called it Park Orchard. As the subdivision populated, the Kent School District saw that they needed a new elementary school. They called it Park Orchard Elementary. My buds and I would go to that play field to play football. One day, we saw a football at the edge of the field in the tall grass. Written on it in big letters was this identifier, Room 4. In order to impress my friends, I picked up that football, and instead of returning it to the school, I kept it. But what was I going to do about the room four, which was written on it? That was easy. I kept the R and the first O, but I turned the second O, the third letter, into a D by adding a stem. The M only needed a period to stand for the initial of my last name, Rod M. I next turned the four into a date as though the date I bought it, which, of course, I didn't. I don't remember what day I put there. That's not the point. I had a football with my name on it, Rod M. What a chintzy disguise and what a cheap thing to do. But I did it under the influence of my friends. I called them friends. We hung out together. But they weren't there for me when morality needed to kick in. Like I said, It's the only football I remember having, but the memory is etched by guilt. Story 2. Elusive Money, Illicit Copper One of the friends with me that day when I stole the football was my neighbor Steve, not to be confused with my Indiana friend. We were always looking for ways to make money. Once, we thought we might sell cord wood. All we had was an old six-foot buck saw. Cutting wood with that thing was too much like work. We needed something easier. Fortunately, or so we thought, a new nursing home was being built right next to us. One night, when we went to look it over, we noticed what seemed like miles of copper tubing for heated floors. What if... We took some of the copper and sold it, we asked each other. So, we took some. Boy, were we stupid. In order to successfully sell the copper, we decided we needed to melt it first. Otherwise, people would recognize the pipes as stolen. So, we took the copper out into a previously dug pit in the field, built a fire in the pit, and tried to melt the tubing. Copper doesn't melt in a bonfire. We didn't know that. All our fire did was draw the attention of a nosy neighbor. He saw us handling pipes. The rascal? He told my parents what he saw. The next night they sat me down in the middle of our living room and extracted a tearful confession from me. We gave the copper back. Graciously, the company did not press charges, but I owed them some money. Talk about a plan that backfired. I can't say it was Steve's fault, but I can say that if I hadn't been hanging with him, I never would have taken the copper. Story three, my ugly hangover. This next story is worse. Shortly after I graduated from high school, I went riding around with a friend. Galen was a few years older than me and had his driver's license. He was the brother-in-law of a good friend from church. In fact, Ken was my go-to mentor. Whenever I wanted non-parental adult guidance, I would talk with Ken. As usual, Galen and I just went cruising. We often visited spots at the south end of Lake Washington. Sometimes we would drive into Seattle and walk the streets. But this particular Saturday night, after cruising around, we came back to his brother's home in Renton, Washington, and just sat around visiting. Some of them were smoky. I hate cigarettes, so I didn't join in. It was a typical dingy, ill-lit living room, the kind that fosters the evening's activities. Unexpectedly, to me, someone brought out the brandy, Coke and brandy. Everybody was tossing them down, so why not me? Coke had the flavor and the disgusting smell of the alcohol. The drink tasted good, like Coke. So there I was, stupidly trying to impress them, but not understanding what I was doing. Predictably, before I knew what was happening, I stumbled hurriedly into the bathroom. There I was, on my knees before the great white throne, talking to Ralph. The next morning, Sunday morning, at church, it was obvious to Ken that I was hungover. That was my first, my last, and my only hangover. I still remember how ugly I felt, knowing I had disappointed Ken. What I'm telling you, David, is this. I would never have experienced that, except for the influence of Galen. Friends can be dangerous. Life went on. I was able to break away from these negative influences and enroll at the University of Washington. I majored in chemical engineering. Let me say it this way. The study never got boring. The campus at the university is beautiful, especially in the spring. I enjoyed my first three years. That brings me to my next story. Story 4. Disgusted in Tijuana. The junior year of every chemical engineering student is exciting, for this reason at least. Recruiters come to campus. We got to sign up and interview for summer engineering jobs in our fields. It would be our first taste of life in the discipline we had chosen. I landed a job with the Stauffer Chemical Company in Henderson, Nevada, just east of Las Vegas. They took unrefined rock salt, dissolved it in water, and put it through an electrolysis process to extract chlorine gas. A byproduct was caustic soda. We sold both. It was hot in Henderson that summer. Every summer, really. We looked for ways to break the boredom and get some relief from the heat. Two other student engineers had also hired for the summer. One came from the University of Montana, and the other was local. So, what were three college juniors going to do stuck out in Henderson, Nevada? Understand that this was back in the late 1960s. Not much was going on in Henderson then, though it later became a booming area. One day, the three of us decided that we were going to take a road trip to Tijuana, Mexico. So we did. What I saw there still disgusts me, and it's etched in my memory. I went along mainly to hang with these guys. I never would have gone there on my own. To illustrate, one weekend I booked a flight from Las Vegas to Los Angeles so I could spend the weekend with my aunt and uncle. That's the kind of trip I would make on my own, but never one to Tijuana. What I saw there disgusted me. I saw people passed out drunk at a highlight tournament. I saw young women hustling at a bar. I saw kids who scrambled for any scrap of paper falling to the ground, thinking it might be money. The place was impoverished and degraded. Like I said, I never would have gone if it hadn't been for the influence of those two young men. I can't even call them friends, but they were the only guys I had to hang with that summer. David, you know me. You know that everything I just mentioned is far outside of my character set. But being honest, I affirm, I did them. I did them under the influence of other young men. I did things that I would not have done except for their influence, and that's my point today. Just like the great influence my Indiana friend had on me for good and for noble living, these people were the opposite. If there's a message in this message, it would be this. Friends exert powerful influences. Choose them well. The fun side of a person can hide dangerous possibilities, even probabilities. Choose your friends wisely and live well. I love you, David. Thanks for listening. If you got something worth holding on to from this blurb, come back next Monday. Next week, I want to talk with David about the disaster of shutting out dialogue. No matter who we want to blame, the one who refuses to talk about it is responsible for divisiveness. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Hey David. If you have thoughts, comments, or questions, please send them to rod underscore macarthur at comcast.net. Rod will get back to you. Also, check out the church's website, www.churchofauburnwa.com. You'll discover a ton of information. You may especially enjoy the page, Blurbs from Rod. Until Until next next Monday, have have a a joy-filled week.